there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Welcome, Performance Insiders, to another exciting episode. I'm super excited uh, for our guest here today. It's kind of difficult uh, to describe him a little bit, but he is a viral content engineer. So he's a social media expert uh, that specializes in generating content that cuts through the noise, gets attention, and gets viewed. His uh, and his team's content have been viewed over 50 billion times and have generated hundreds of millions of likes, follows, subscribers, leads, I'm sure, sales, etc. Uh, for some of the biggest brands uh, in the world, frankly, and I'll just look at my um, sheet here, for MTV, Viacom, Vice Magazine, Paramount Pictures, Ikea, we're talking grade A brands, as well as celebrities like Taylor Swift, Rihanna, uh, Adriana Lima, and many others. He's currently managing partner at Hookpoint, a consultancy that works with brands uh, and, uh, and other influencers to produce this sort of uh, virality. And he's author of 1 Million Followers. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's tuning into this. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited. You strike me as the type of person that is just filled with all types of uh, useful tidbits of information and knowledge. And you know that we're all about secrets here. So let's start off. Tell us one of your biggest uh, performance secrets. Yeah, so let's tie it to organic social media um, because there's a lot of information about there. There's a lot of frustration around it. And, and the first thing to really understand is when I started in social media in 2005, maybe there's a million people on the platforms, a million content creators. Mm. We fast forward today, there's 4 billion content creators on the planet pushing upwards of 200 billion messages into the world every day. So needless to say, it's a very competitive platform. There's massive opportunity, but you have to understand the secrets to, to harness it. So the biggest contributing factor to your ability to be successful, to go viral, to get reach and distribution of your content is the algorithms. Now, there's a lot of uh, frustration with the algorithms. And if that's you, I completely feel your pain. Uh, and it's very simple in terms of the purpose of these algorithms. The purpose of the algorithms is user retention, meaning the longer people spend on the platforms, the more ads they can serve, and thus the more profit they generate. So how do you how do you maximize the benefit? How do you make the algorithms your best friend? Well, the algorithms are really looking for content that can grab and hold attention with the widest possible audience. So they want to be able to seed your content to millions of people, and they they really do want to do that. But your content needs to prove that it can capture that attention, meaning stopping the scroll and then holding their attention, building the retention graph up. So it's getting people engaged with that content from you know, a time perspective. So that biggest secret is pretty simplistic in that you have to grab attention and hold attention for as long as possible in order to go viral, in order to, to reach the highest levels. So the way that we look at content oftentimes is counterintuitive to what we've been taught pre-social media, which 
which was create a very specific piece of content for a very specific audience. That doesn't work when it comes to virality and organic, because then it breaks the mold of what the algorithms are looking for. Meaning I want a piece of content that I could see to millions of people and with different backgrounds, uh, different parts of the world, different genders, things of that nature, and still be able to engage them. So our job as content creators is to take more of this generalist approach where we can make anybody interested in our subject matter while still subtextually playing to our core audience so that it leads to sales, leads to business for us. Gotcha. Gotcha. So can you think of an example of that? Because the first thing that comes to mind for me is basically like, you know, you may, with a general piece of content, you may get a lot of views and followers if you can hold attention, but it may not really be that relevant, especially if you're like, you know, some kind of B2B or something with a target audience. But can you give us an example of how, like, uh, a general-ish piece of content that would still have an angle enough that it would attract the right prospect? Is that what you're saying? Like, it needs to be like, as general as it can be, while kind of speaking to the prospect? Yeah. So, it still should play to your subject matter. It's not like, hey, um, and I'll give you a prime example of this. Hey, I'm a tax accountant, but I'm talking about dogs. Like, right. th- 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 that there's, there needs to be a correlation because you need to monetize that attention. But I bring up taxes because there's a prime example of this. Uh, you know, you think about taxes, it's not a sexy subject. You would not think it to go viral, but there's a YouTube account called Clear Value Tax. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about a generalist approach, you know, you know, well, let me start with kind of like his underperformers of, uh, and I'm just looking at his channel as we te- speak so I can, you know, read off some of the subject titles, but like a, a low performer for him is like student loan forgiveness or mm-hmm. inflation report was a disaster. Now that is going to be interesting to a very narrow audience it plays to kind of his expertise. But if we look at the generalist approach, if I look at his most viewed videos, his most viewed videos happened during COVID and uh, they all have over 2 million views and they were all about stimulus checks. So it was, will there be another stimulus check? Uh, Stimulus check frequently asked questions. Stimulus checks are now being processed. $2,000 monthly stimulus checks. So when you think about the differences during that time, a lot of people wanted to know about stimulus checks, but don't really care about taxes. Right. So what he's doing is he's tying into a subject matter that's interesting to a wide possible audience, but still subtextually playing to his area of expertise. Yeah. So so another example is uh, Grant. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. uh, Another guy is Graham Stephan on YouTube. And what he does is teaches finance to millennials. Mm -hmm. Now, Typically finance is not an interesting subject matter to millennials or most people. So his most viewed video is how I bought a Tesla for $78. Mm -hmm. So it's an amazing hook. And even if you don't care about finance, you want to see how did I actually buy a Tesla for $78. Mm -hmm. And within that, he teaches the principles of finance and how his mindset approaches it. And it introduces his brand and his expertise to the world. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. So um, on the topic of the algorithm, like if this is a known thing that the algorithm, you know, values the ability to capture and hold attention, like why do you figure more people aren't doing it? I, A, I don't know how many people realize that, but B, 
it's difficult. Like we're talking about storytelling here. And, you know, the blessing and the curse of social media is we can all open up our, our app and put, hit record and post something. And because it's so easy, it's, you know, the curse of it is we don't put a lot of thought into what we're saying, right. how we're saying it. You know, some people just get on and talk, you know, yeah. or, or they think they're telling a story, but they're not paying attention to the nuances of what makes an effective story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a great analogy uh, to this is movies or television shows. I'm sure we've all sat down to a movie and after we watched it and said, that is the worst movie I've ever seen. Or you start watching a movie and you turn it off versus on the flip side. I'm sure you've all had sit down, watch the movie and be like, that is the best movie that I've ever seen. And the difference is, is very subtle. It's the storytelling. It's the characters because most, I would say not, and I started in the movie industry. So that's why I'm kind of using this analogy and I'm using it because most people have watched a movie or television. So specifically for movies, they all typically follow the same three act structure. They always typically follow like a hero's journey and things of that nature, but there's so much nuance into what makes a good movie versus a bad movie. The same applies to social media content is what is the story that we're telling to really take them on a journey. And one of the biggest um, elements in uh, storytelling is tension building. So the top uh, YouTube influencers talk about Jenga theory. So if you ever played the, the game Jenga, it's a, a stack of blocks on a table and each person goes around taking a turn of pulling out a block. Yeah. So in that game itself, you know what the end outcome is. The tower is going to fall, but you don't know when or who's going to cause it. So with each block that somebody's pulling out, as it's being pulled out, there's a tremendous amount of tension. Is it going to fall? Is it going to fall? And then when they pull it out successfully, that tension is released. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again. So oftentimes in storytelling, people are missing that element. It, it often comes off very flat or monotone, and there's not this inflection of, of raising tension, releasing tension, raising tension, releasing tension. Mm-hmm. And that's a big tool and tactic that people use in movies. Uh, so I think that that is a big part is people may think that they're telling stories and they may in fact be telling stories, but how good is that story to really uh, engage the audience? Does that make yeah. sense? It does. It totally makes sense. And that's awesome that you're um, so knowledgeable about stories and storytelling. Yeah. And let me give you another I, uh, analogy that I think people, and it'll be a quick one, but I think most people probably are subscribed to Netflix. Right. So you think about Netflix as an algorithm. They spend $15 billion a year producing shows and they're constantly releasing new content. And the shows that don't get renewed are the shows that don't get either people to watch or they don't watch the whole thing versus the shows that do get renewed. People watch the entire thing. And a lot of people watch them. It's the same principle with the algorithm. It it doesn't mean that the bad shows that are not getting renewed are not telling stories. It's just their stories are not as good for, and it's not really retaining the audience from a wide, uh, wide perspective. Yep. That's awesome, man. And I, uh, I also like the uh, the couple of examples that you were talking about before. Are you able to talk at all about like some of your biggest wins or some of your most successful campaigns and kind of like how the storytelling worked there, how it built the tension and released it kind of a thing? Yeah. So a lot of the, um, the work that we 
you know, and even if you go to my social channels, a lot of what I'm doing is breaking down viral content. So one of our most successful videos is me breaking down this, um, this singer who, who did a, a remake of a Fleetwood Mac song. And uh, it's probably got close to 50 million views at this point. And the interesting thing with the beginning of that video is, and you think you may think, oh, just remaking a Fleetwood Mac song would go viral, but there's probably 10,000 people that have done that. But yeah. the interesting thing that this girl does is she doesn't start singing until 17 seconds into the video. And what happens is she comes on screen, the, 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 the song starts playing, but then she holds up her finger like as a signal to wait she takes a drink of ocean spray, which was a trend at the time. And then, and then she stings 17 seconds in, but what's happening is she's building that tension. You know, the song, but you're like, is this girl going to be good? She's, she's so young, but she yeah. seems like she may be good, but you're waiting to hear whether it's going to be good or horrible. And then when she starts singing, it's amazing. It's almost better than the original. Now, if it wasn't good, it probably wouldn't have that level of virality. But that's kind of the nuance that we talk, that we kind of look at in in storytelling, um, in content is is these um, subtle shifts. And you know, I can give another example. A friend of mine, uh, Alex Stemp, he just hit twenty million followers on TikTok, and he's the guy that approaches random strangers on a street uh, to take professional photo shoots. So we analyzed together his content, his most viewed video, which was about 90 million views. And then like an average video for him, which was 5 million views. And the interesting thing is the 90 million view had a retention, meaning the average time people watched it was 27 seconds versus the 5 million views was 21 seconds. So a six second differential represented 85 million views in performance. That's the type of like nuance detail that determines whether something is successful or not on these platforms. Yeah. Are there any other big, uh, like algorithmic plat, uh, factors that, that you pay a lot of attention to other than retention time and stopping power? Well, when you look at YouTube, this stopping power in most traffic, people think most traffic from YouTube comes from SEO, like search. But actually, most views and traffic from YouTube come from suggested videos. So if you're watching a video, they suggest other videos. So a big contributing factor is your click-through rate on your thumbnail and headline. Yeah. Your retention still has to be there, but in terms of grabbing the attention, it's really the thumbnail and headline that 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 drives that you know att attention grabbing. So you have to be really effective at your ability to construct a thumbnail or headline that that gets people to click. And then obviously your story uh, needs to uh, take, take it from there. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, how did you get into this? Like take us back to Brendan, the, the kid kind of, and how did your chronology get you into this? You'd mentioned you were in the movie business a, a little while. Yeah. So I wanted to be a film producer and I went to film school and was hoping to learn a little bit about business. And I quickly realized they don't teach you anything about business in film school. So uh, I figured the best way to learn about business is start your own. And the most cost-efficient way at the time, and it still holds true today, is to start online companies. Mm -hmm. So I started a few online companies really just to learn and experiment. And then uh, when I moved to LA, I, like everybody else, I started at the bottom making coffee, copies, deliveries. And when people at, would ask me, especially the higher ups, like, why did you move to LA? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a film producer. I could see people's eyes glaze over. 
because yeah. I was one of a million other people that wanted to pursue that. Um, but, and again, this was around 2004, 2005, but one of the things that I realized, cause I had to take a step back, I had to kind of see what was going to be my hook point, what was going to be my way to stand out and connect with the head of the studio or directors or actors. And I noticed that every time we, we completed a film, it was a single piece of content that we would spend tens of millions of dollars to produce and then tens of millions of dollars to market it. So there was a real sense of anxiety that would come over the office when we completed a film because we needed hundreds of millions of people to know about this single piece of content in months. We didn't have years or decades to do it. So seeing that level of anxiety, I just started going back to those higher ups and saying, listen, I know how to tap into these traffic sources for a fraction of the cost, in some cases, no cost at all, compared to what we were paying on print, television, radio, and things of that nature. So that quickly allowed me to rise uh, uh, up in the ranks, and I started building digital divisions for movie studios. And a lot of it was centered around social media. So I did the first influencer campaign on YouTube in 2007 for a movie um, called Crank with Jason Statham. So it just kind of opened my eyes to this new medium uh, to tap into. Now, could I have ever predicted that social media would be as big as it is today? No, I just saw that there was potential that we could use it for the projects that we were so heavily invested in. Wow. So you were making like movie trailers go viral, basically? Typically, the movie trailers were pretty much already cut. It was more ancillary campaigns around the content so you know with the influencer campaign i just messaged like a hundred and again at the time they weren't even called influencers they are just people that were generating a lot of views so i i messaged like a hundred of the top ones and i said do you want to interview a movie star so i would bridge that connection between the influencer and the movie and we'd create fun engaging different content around it because typically the trailers and the TV spots and stuff, I wouldn't really have any say in that at all. Um, and that would either work or wouldn't work. So I was looking at interesting stories to tell around the movie to get people interested in it. That's awesome, man. So you were, so you had a couple of uh, online businesses of your own, cutting your teeth there, working at the movie studios, taught them basically about social media, built out their digital divisions, uh, and then, and then what happened? And then you, at some point, started Hook Point, or what was the rest of the story? Yeah. So I then I actually started getting into building technology platforms. Um, so I built the first ever influencer technology platform on top of MySpace, and it was just it ended up being too early at the time. I partnered with MTV on it, um, did several tests with it, and they, those tests were successful. But again, at the time, there's no such thing as influencers as there are today. Uh, and then I got into the paid advertising space, specifically on the social media end, and was advising a company where we were managing about $100 million a year in paid spend for um, Fortune 100 companies and saw a lot of the inefficiencies in the creative process there. And that's where I left and started developing a lot of the principles that Hookpoint uses today. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Well, uh, I'm definitely interested in the efficiency of standout creatives. What are what are some of those principles that you guys use today? Yeah, so a big part of our success is is really gleaming insights from social media. 
So one of the so we have a team of analysts uh, where basically every team our analyst is going out into social media, finding viral content creators, influencers, brands, viral content formats, and really understanding those nuances. And, and the way that we do understand those nuances is we have a research process that's called gold, silver, bronze. So we'll take a um, an influencer that has like, let's just say 5 million followers, and then we'll we'll break down his content based upon these performance. So gold is the highest level. So um, like, for example, we were breaking down a content creator called Hunter Prosper, and he approaches strangers on the street and asks them emotionally, emotional questions about their life. So gold for him is like 20 to 30 million views plus. Silver is really the average, kind of like his baseline, which for him is a million views. And then bronze are the underperformers. So for him, it's in the few hundred thousand. And what we're doing is we're looking at what we call performance drivers in the gold. Um, and these performance drivers can be like pacing, tonality, number of edits, first three seconds, captions, title cards, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And we try and dissect and, and create a hypothesis of what we think are the performance drivers for this specific format and creator. But then we have to validate, do those performance drivers show up in silver and bronze? Because if they do, then we know it's the reason, it's not the reason that it's going viral. So we, we repeat that process over and over again. So to your question is, it, it's very kind of nuanced storytelling mechanisms that, that cause or detract from virality. So I mentioned a few of them, you know, pacing, tonality, number of edits. We talked about the generalist principle. How do you make it your subject matter interesting to somebody that may have never thought about your subject matter may not be interesting to it. But mm-hmm. that's the reason that we have that level of success is because we're learning from the best and we're dissecting what's making them successful and then allowing us to apply those learnings um, to clients or share those insights with content creators. Interesting. And do you have some sort of tech to do that or to help some of that process or that's just a manual process? Yeah, we have tech to to scrape the data, but unfortunately, the analysis uh, has to be manually done. It's you know we have a team of analysts that do that um, because there's just so much nuance in it uh, yeah. to to get to those answers. That makes sense. So, um, where are you right now uh, with Hookpoint? Like, what's um, what's new? What's exciting? What's next? Kind of thing. Yeah, I think that the. Yeah, we've made a clear focus on delivering these insights because we see a big gap in the market of people creating content in kind of a vacuum and not understanding or looking for these nuanced details. And even when we train people on how to do it, it can take years to kind of master the eye of seeing what is causing something to go viral versus not. So we actually created a community called Viral Trends. Uh, It's at goviral.hookpoint.com. Where basically every week we do a live call where we break down the latest influencer viral format, viral trend, uh, and then we also open it up for questions. But then after that call, we we deliver an activation guide that breaks down kind of what we talked about and key takeaways. And we even provide the actual research sheet that we generate um, because we even see it. Some of our clients are creative agencies, and we even see that they just don't even have the time to go off and do it. So that's where we we really believe that we can offer content creators the most value is doing a lot of that heavy lifting for them 
and sharing these insights to help them improve on their creative. Got it. And the insights are similar to what you described just now, where you're, like, you're basically looking, you're dissecting the highest performing videos and describing yeah, what so, the subtleties are that are making it go. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll use that gold, silver, bronze for a specific influencer, a brand, a content format. And we'll actually, our team of analysts will do the research, the gold, silver, bronze. And then on the call, we walk through it in detail, allow people to ask questions. And then we give people that actual sheet uh, and summarize it in an activation guide as well. Got it. Got it. Interesting. So we got on this topic uh, around efficiency of content creation. Like you'd mentioned that you'd notice a lot of the inefficiencies. And then we went into the gold, uh, gold, silver, bronze. So how does that actually make it more efficient just because you're, you're producing more winners and less losers kind of a thing? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I find uh, in working with clients, and this is like 99% of people out there is, is, so if it's you don't feel bad, you're in the same boat as most people. Uh, They typically just skip to the ideation process. So they just come up with ideas or they use their brand guidelines to fuel ideas and the efficiency comes in is when you start with research and insights, you can knock out so many ideas that you just can see won't work. So you don't actually go through the process of producing, you know, shooting it, editing it, actually filming it. Uh, you learn so much about what works in social. So it makes your ideation process, the ideas that you come up with, far more effective and efficient. So you're not spending a lot of time producing content that you could have seen would have failed, you know, had you done the the research and insights first. Yep. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's, uh, it's sad because I'm sure that many listeners uh, fall into that camp and I'm sure we do as well sometimes because we will often... I mean, we will come up with a concept and basically we'll create a bunch of variations of it, but sometimes the whole, or if it works, we'll come up, we'll create variations, but a lot of the concepts themselves just bomb. What's your, like, so you're all organic now, right? Like all the work that you're doing is on the organic side or do you do paid stuff too? Yeah, we do apply these principles to paid. Just paid is a little bit different because you need to have a solid data set to work from. So when we work with a client, we can get a data set from their creative that's performing and underperforming. And we can look at, you know, ad libraries of other content and gleam insights. But unfortunately, the ad libraries don't report on um, the actual performance of the creative. So you kind of have to read between the lines of the sophistication of the advertiser, how many ads they're running, how long those ads have been running to. But you will see a lot of the same principles apply because when you think about it, paid advertising, all it allows you to do is get the reach. It doesn't force somebody to stop and watch it. So we almost think about paid as like, you have to be good at organic to be good at paid in some ways. You have to be able to stop the scroll, hold attention long enough. Obviously there's different principles that you can apply to it. Um, but the storytelling principles still apply the same to really good, scalable, paid creative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this was uh, awesome. I mean, we talked about the algo. We talked about 
stopping power and holding attention. And I really love the example with that Fleetwood Mac song where it's like, like I, and I've seen those too. And I've also seen the ones that are, um, that are kind of like, you won't believe what happens at the end or like, you know, uh, or like yeah, watch till that, the end. Sometimes it'll I mean, say, that's, a, that's a great, that's a great analogy. That format doesn't really work as much anymore because people have caught on to it. And, and right. most people, there's a lot of people out there, out there that abuse that. Um, but that's a great analogy of, you know, setting an expectation, building tension, and then leading towards it. So I wouldn't suggest using that format, but using that analogy is a great analogy for your storytelling and content. Yep. I feel you. Well, hey, man, I know that you're super busy. We're um, rounding out here, almost done. But uh, I know that you, you know, obviously have a lot of work to do. You have probably more than one full-time job. What do you do to unwind? Like, what do you do for fun? I love traveling, traveling and being outdoors as much as possible. I love nature, um, you know, hiking, surfing, being in the water whenever possible, but uh, just experiencing new cultures, new areas, new, new places of nature really kind of helps me unwind. And again, oh, cool. my first love is movies. So, I mean, I consume a lot of content because I started there because I actually do love the art of storytelling in those mediums. Nice. All right, cool, man. Well, let's jump into the lightning round. I'll just ask you like two or three uh, quick grab bag questions real quick. And I don't usually use this one, but I am curious. Top movies. I know it's like the hardest question ever, but like top three movies of all time. What do you think? That is a very difficult question. I'll just... Or just three of your favorites. Three of your favorites. I'll just kind of... I watch so many movies, but I'll just say ones that, that I... I've seen recently or rewatched again that I like. I mean, Christopher Nolan's amazing, you know, Inception, Tenet. I really enjoy those movies. Um, I just rewatched the Lord of the Rings series because Amazon released their TV um, version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shawshank Redemption comes to mind. Uh, it's kind of strange, but the recent Mission Impossible movies, I think have been like the last one, I think was so well done. Um, yeah. But I think that those are the ones that kind of come to mind. I wouldn't say that they're my favorites of all time, but those are actually movies that I've rewatched, which gives me a good indication. Uh, I love I, I love Shawshank. I love Shawshank. I could watch that like on repeat. Yeah, which is amazing because it's a it's a pretty um, deep and and sometimes dark story of this character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Next up, if you were to start a side hustle, what would it be? If for money or for pleasure, to make money or to just do a side hustle to just for fun? Because I think there'd um, be two different things. Let's go for fun. I would probably be some type of like nature guy, like take people on hikes or take people surfing. I'm not a great surfer, so I don't know that I could teach people, but... I love going to places that I love and then sharing those experiences with other people. Nice. Yeah, that does sound. I don't know. There's a lot of money in it, but yeah, right. Cool. And then lastly, if you could go back to your 18 year old self and do something different other than like buy Bitcoin, what would it be? 
Well, I think it's a great question. At 18, I was pretty lost. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I would do is really get into the process of learning out of the traditional education system mm-hmm. and just trying to find the smartest people I could at that age and find some good advisors and just learn, you know, cause I think that, and I think it's changing with the new generation, but I don't know if it was for you, but you kind of felt like learning was all done within the school system. Oh yeah. And I've just learned so much more outside of the school system and I enjoy learning, but at the time I didn't really enjoy learning because I thought the only way to really learn is by going to school. So I think that that would be kind of a big shift that I would have loved to make earlier in in life. Yeah. I feel you. I think a lot of us are probably in that same boat with you. Well, Brendan, this was amazing, man. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to let you get back to your day. Um, before we go, though, I'm sure a lot of people are interested to hear more about you, see some of your best videos, or learn more about Hookpoint. Where can folks go to learn more? Yeah, if they're interested in in the the insights community, they can go to goviral.hookpoint.com. If they want to learn more about just engaging us directly, they can go to hookpoint.com or they can check out my books. I got two books out, One Million Followers and Hookpoint, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Nice. I like that title, Hookpoint, Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Great. Well, thank you very much, Brendan. Um, For everybody listening, if you like this, drop us a like, a comment, share with a friend, uh, and we will also include all the links and resources that Brendan mentioned in the show notes. Thank you very much. Until next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 